The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Morning again, Refuge Church. Uh, This morning, uh, we will be uh, in our second week of the new series that we started last week. And the series is called Restore to Life, Recovering the Life You Lost. Our intro for this series is this. You have been stolen from, and what have been taken away cannot be replaced by money. It is your very life that has been lost. Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy I have come so that you may have eternal life and have it in full. This sermon series will show you your life was lost and how Jesus can restore a new and full life. These eight principles are also called the road to recovery and is part of Celebrate Recovery. We hope that many of you who find new life in Christ will choose to help We'll choose to help those, we choose to help others be restored to life through Celebrate Recovery at the Coffee Oasis. Uh, pray with me as we dig into the word uh, this morning. Uh, Jesus, we invite the presence of your Holy Spirit, uh, quiet our heart, take all of our burdens away, and may we enjoy the freedom that comes with worshiping you this morning and fellowshipping with one another. Uh, Speak to our hearts and convict our hearts and let us be the doers of your words and not just the hearers of it. Thank you for this. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a different kind of sermon. Like Daniel explained last week, it's easy for me, I know, just to preach from a text. And so it was a little bit challenging just preaching from a book, but trying to connect it with a test, uh, text. Even though these principles, these eight principles that we'll be talking about for the next eight weeks are all uh, biblical uh, principles. And so last week, just a recap from last week. Daniel preached on the first principle, which is, I am not God. And the two points he touched on was denial and powerlessness, right? And so we are good with denial, right? When we are struggling with something, it's easy for us to justify what we're doing. You know, we tell ourselves stuff like, well, it's not that bad. I'm not hurting anyone. And I won't let it become an addiction, right? And so we deny the fact that whatever we're struggling to can lead to something dangerous. That is denial. And the second point that he made was powerlessness, right? It's like we are so powerless. And that is why we need Christ in our lives every day, right? And so one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But that is not something that we have mastered. That is something I struggle with every day. And on my own, 
I cannot have self-control. And so we are powerless when it comes to things that consumes uh, our lives in bad ways. And so this morning, I'll be talking about the second principle, which is God is real. The second principle that I'll be talking about is God is real. And my text this morning is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'll read that again. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so my question this morning is, why is it crucial to believe that God is real, that God exists in our journey to recover the life that has been lost? Why is it crucial for us to believe that God is real, God exists in this journey that we are to recover the life that we have lost? Two points. When we believe God exists, we accept the truth that we're powerless. We become self-aware for our need for something greater, something that is good, and something that has the power to transform us into something that is good. Because we know on our own we cannot be good, but something greater, which is God, can make us good. And the second point is when we come to believe that God exists, we are able to find the one true higher power, Jesus. We come to understand that God wants to fill our lives with his love, his joy, and his presence. This is also called the hope principle. Hope is a very big word, you know? And so every morning when I wake up, I'm like, I wake up this morning because of hope. Everything we do is because of the hope that we have. Because nothing will be meaningful without the hope that we have. And so what is hope? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. Hope is to want something to happen. And I think the, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15... Uh, kind of shows how hope works in our life. And so I'm just going to read the story uh, for you guys. And so if you want to open the text, you're welcome to do that. But I will read it for us. And this story can be found in Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, 
there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots and the pigs were eat, that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Hope. The question I asked myself was, why did the prodigal son come back home? Hope. He expected something from his father. And so hope was the reason he came back home because he believed that either his father will take him back as a slave at worst or that his father will take him back as his son at best, which the father did. The father welcomed him with wide open arms. And so though this story is about a father's love, it is a picture of God's love for us. God love looking out for us no matter how much we are lost. God finds us no matter how many times we have fallen into sin. And God's hands of mercy always reaching out to pick us up, to forgive our sins when we cry out. Without hope, we can believe God exists and desire a personal relationship with him. Without hope, we won't always come back to God when we fail. I was listening to a debate uh, between Richard Dawkins and John Lennox. I mean, Richard Dawkins is like the father of the new atheist movement. And John Lennox is a, is a mathematician uh, from Oxford University. He's also a, a Christian apologist. But the debate was about the existence of God. But one powerful argument that uh, John Lennox made, which I found profound, was they were talking about injustice, right? And so John Lennox, I mean, Richard Dawkins, basically there's no God because of all this evil that is happening in our world. And John Lennox said, well, I believe there is God, 
because there is so much evil in the world going on, and I need to believe that there is a God who will punish that evil, right? If you're an atheist and you don't believe there is no God, you die, right? And, but you care about all these injustices that's happening in the world. After you die, then what? Who takes care of that evil? Isn't that a painful way to die? But what if, as a believer, you believe there is a higher power who punishes evil and works good? Even after you die, you are hopeful that one day God will come back and make things new again. That is the power of believing in God, because we hope for something better. Even if we don't see it, yet we know it is coming. That is the power of hope. In the book that we're going through, the Celebrate Recovery book, the author also defined hope as an openness to change. As creatures of habit, change scares us even if the change is good for us. We get too comfortable with our old selves, with our old habits, and we resist change because of the fear of the unknown. We like to be comfortable where we are. We like to be comfortable in our own box. And when somebody takes us out of that box, it is scary. But hope is openness to change. The hope that we have in Christ makes it possible for us to change. Hope opens the door we could not have imagined on our own. Hope discovers what can be done instead of complaining what we cannot do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of our mind. That is what Jesus does for us. He makes us new in the attitude of our mind, which makes change so easy. Hope, it's the openness to change. But the power to change cannot come from us. As Daniel preached last week, we are powerless. Therefore, the power to change has to come from God's grace. Hope draws its power from a deep trust in God. The psalmist in Psalms chapter 25 verse 5 says this, Give me in your truth, guide me in your truth, and lead me, for you are my Savior. And so as we come to understand that only God's power can change us, we desire to imitate Christ by pursuing holiness, because he alone can make us holy, because he lived a holy life. And we can be confident in this, because in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so change is possible because Christ has the power to change us. When we submit to him, when we desire a personal relationship with him, that is possible. And so when we fully surrender and commit our lives in the Lordship of Jesus, our hope of living a godly life comes into fulfillment. And the changes needed to be made to forsake our old self becomes possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, hope. Hope. 
And as a result of that hope, Christ gives us a sanity. And that is the second uh, point the author uh, makes in the book. When he talked about sanity, I was like, I mean, I'm not going to be talking to some crazy Christians. And so I didn't like the word sanity, but I thought of the word whole, right? And so that's what God makes us. He makes us whole again. But the author defines sanity as wholeness of mind, making decisions based on truth. And so when we hope in Jesus, we receive the strength to face our fear, the power to live a new life, a life that is hidden in Christ, and the strength to make decisions that are good for our well-being. We become whole again as a result of our hope in Jesus. And so to conclude this morning, recovery is a daily program. And we need a power greater than ourselves, a higher power who will give us the strength, acceptance, new life, integrity, and the trust to allow us to make sane decisions based on the truth of Christ. God exists. Because if he doesn't exist, we are lost. There is no hope for us. And so close your eyes with me as I offer uh, this closing prayer. Dear God, I have tried to fix and control my life's hurt, hang-ups, or habits all by myself. I admit that by myself I am powerless to change. I need to believe and receive your power to help me recover. You love me enough to send your son to the cross to die for my sins. Help me be open to the hope that I can only find in him. Please help me to start living my life one day at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we will be taking uh, communion to remember the cross of Jesus. It is because of that cross that we have hope. It is because of that cross that we are here today. It is because of that cross that we have risen to live. And so as we take communion this morning, remember the cross of Jesus. And the night before he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it with his disciples and said to them, when you eat this, remember my body that will be broken for you. And in the same way, he took a cup and blessed it and told his disciples, this is my blood that I will spill on the cross for you, for us, for our sins. And when you drink this, remember. And so when we eat communion this morning, we remember what Christ did on the cross for us. And if any of you need prayers, uh, Joe and Rachel Berg are right there. And so please feel free. If you have any burden, 
or if you have anything that is taking control of your life, they will love to pray for you. This is a safe community. We all struggle with something, and so feel free to go get some prayers.